those in prayer. Uh, we've been talking about and looking at, Clarissa went and looked at, Alberta went and looked at a piece of property. We're just praying. Uh, maybe we can talk just a little bit more about the direction of the church as far as a property and a building and that kind of thing. We saw something that looks actually pretty hopeful, but we definitely want the Lord's guidance on, on it. We're excited and we're kind of like ready to go by it today, but uh, we need the Lord to lead us. So anyway, maybe after the prayer meeting tonight, we could talk about it for a little bit. But if you would, open your Bibles to, uh, to 2 Peter chapter 1. I know Jordan read this verse in Sunday school about being partakers of the divine nature. We're going to read just past that a little bit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. For if these things be in you, all these things that were listed above, we might read it later in the, in the message, but if these things be in you and abound... They make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has intended and purposed for his people to be fruitful. He's intended for us to prosper. He's intended for us to, uh, to, uh, to abound. He doesn't want us to be unfruitful. He doesn't want us to be barren. It says in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has purposed for his people to be fruitful. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about uh, prosperous in the sense of what a prosperity preacher would, would mean. You know, understand what I mean? There's this doctrine. This, it's a, it's a, a bad doctrine of prosperity that the Lord basically exists to just bless us on this life. And he's basically, basically like uh, Dave Hunt used to call him, our cosmic bell hop and we ring the bell and God and God just jumps so what did you need you know and that's a, that's a, uh, not found in the scriptures we find the blessings of God in the scriptures but he's still God and we're we're his people amen we're his people the sheep of his pasture we're his servants his children servants of the most high God and the, the whole idea of the prosperity gospel is one that's not found in the scriptures that would be God's basically lives to make me happy. Whatever we have need of, you know, we want a bigger car, just tell him. And we expect it to be out there in the morning when we wake up. And it's not that God can't and doesn't bless us with things in life. But that's not the prosperity or the fruitfulness that's being talked about here. It says, God does, if these things are, uh, are in you and abound, they make it that you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful. In our knowledge of the Lord, and our walk with God, and our relationship with God. So there is a blessing, and, and blessings that God wants us to have. The Bible says, if you're just taking notes, I'm going to quote it from Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That doesn't fit with prosperity preaching. You know, delight yourself in the Lord. That's, that's the command to me. That's like, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Make your delight the Lord, is what that's saying. Find your delight and your joy and your satisfaction in the person of Jesus Christ. Find your delight and joy in life. Your delight, not just your existence, okay? Your joy. 
of all joys. Let it be Jesus Christ. You knowing Him and Him knowing you and you being born of His Spirit, filled with His Spirit, walking with God, forgiven, you know, the promises that He has for us. Find your delight in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, He will give us the desires of our heart. And I'll look at that in two ways, that He puts the desires in us that He wants us to have, first of all. In other words, I might have been desiring something that was just carnal or even sinful, but if I delight myself in the Lord, He's going to make my desires pure. He's going to take them and make them right. And then He will fulfill those pure desires. So it's both. I think if I delight myself in the Lord, He'll give me the desires in my heart. And they'll be ordered right. That heart will be right the way it's supposed to be. Craving for the, the right things instead of the wrong. And then He will fulfill those longings. God's able to do that. So that is prosperity preaching, but not the way that it's used today. You know, <coughs> Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Hagin is known as the father of that, that uh, faith movement, where basically you write your own reality and, and you believe it. And Paul Youngie Cho and some of these others have taken it to another level where you incubate it in your mind. And that's the word they use. This thought, you know, something you want, you incubate it in your mind until it comes to fruition it comes to be that's not biblical faith but having said that uh, the, the Lord wants us to prosper to be fruitful not to be unfruitful in our lives in our walk with him and it starts with salvation y'all just like we talked about in Sunday school if a man's lost his life is not going to be fruitful right it's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to be any godly fruit coming from it. It's not going to be anything that lasts. Every single thing in that life, including that man, is going to perish. It's going to be vanity. Everything that he accomplished, everything that he thought was so important, all these experiences and things that, that he accomplished and gains. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So it starts with salvation, the prosperity that God wants for our lives. But then it goes on to our walk with the Lord. You as a Christian, as a believer, God wants you to be prosperous in your walk with Him, in your life. He wants our lives to make a difference. He wants to accomplish something through our lives. The Bible says, and we all know the scripture from Jeremiah 29 about, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. What are the thoughts that the Lord thinks to us? They're thoughts of peace and not evil to bring us an expected end, is what it says in King James. That word expected means hoped for. It's like what lives might be in her heart as a Christian. What she's hoped for, what God's put in her heart to hope for, He wants to bring you to that end. Basically that hope being fulfilled. He doesn't give us a bunch of empty hopes that aren't ever going to be realized or satisfied. Let the Lord put those hopes and desires in your heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be satisfied in the Lord. And then watch and see what the Lord's going to do and how He's going to bring things to pass. You know, it's a young person. It might be a spouse, you know, or whatever it may be. God is going to bring those things to pass as we delight ourselves in the Lord. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to read us uh, from the Psalms where David says, Let the Lord be magnified with which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That says God wants to prosper him, right? The Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He wants you to prosper. You're not trying to pull God's teeth to try to 
get him to, to give you something, uh, a good thing. It's his good pleasure, he says, to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure. God desires to do that. And so no matter where we have started in life, y'all, God still wants to bring us to a good end. That's one of the wonderful things about knowing Jesus. He takes us from where we are. David said he lifted me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. That's not all he did. He established my goings. In other words, he set a path in a way for me to go in. He ordered it, right? He's put a new song in my heart, even praises to my God. Many are going to see it, and they're going to come to know the Lord, he says. So, no matter how we start, the Lord's plan and intent for our lives is to prosper us. He wants us not to be barren or unfruitful. That means He wants us to be fruitful, okay? Fruitful in, in the things of God and what He has for our lives. You and I may have experienced, and I don't need to know it all, but you might have experienced terrible failures in your past, even as a Christian, okay? And let's say before the Lord or even after you've known the Lord. We're all forgiven, praise God, and, and we're saved. But we might have had great sin in our past. And for a long time, and gross sin in our past. The Lord still wants me to prosper now. Okay? No matter where He brings us from. We read in the Bible about Rahab. Y'all know about Rahab, right? She was a harlot. She was a prostitute. And it was a horrible, immoral, sinful life that she lived. But the Bible speaks of her in the hall of faith that we read about in Hebrews 11 and in James. talks about a living faith. Because she hid the spies. Why? Because she believed God. She believed that the Israelites that were coming in to take that city were going to take that city. And she had enough fear of God and uh, 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 understanding to put her faith in that God, the God of the Jews, the God of the Hebrews. And we read about her is in the hall of faith. So wherever we start, we might have uh, wasted a lot of time. Have you wasted a lot of time in your life? I have. I've wasted a lot of time in my life. Uh, I've wasted a lot of opportunities that I've missed in my life. And those can bring regrets. Does anybody here have any regrets in their life? I've had regrets, uh, a, lot, a lot of them. Before I got saved, all that's under the blood of Jesus now. And I've had regrets in my life since I've been saved. Opportunities that are gone, or time that's been wasted, or even as a believer, being selfish and having everything about building my little world, and having everything just right. And even with all that, God still can take us, and He still wants to prosper us. Well, I missed all these opportunities. Okay, God, forgive me, change me. Let me understand the seriousness of it. But Lord, still, would you prosper me? You know, would you still bless me in the future and bring me on? And he absolutely wants to do that. He wants to bless us. And the ways he wants to bless us, y'all, is not what the world would consider blessings. They probably wouldn't consider it blessing. You know, when you look at those people in Hebrews 11 that were destitute, the Bible says, and lived in caves and wandered about in animal skins and, and some had their children, you know, killed and I mean, and some were sawn asunder or, or lit on fire or all the different things or died by the sword. I forgot all the things. We wouldn't look at those people. The world wouldn't look at that and say, there's a really prosperous and blessed people. But we have to understand what God considers to be blessed. 
And we need to value and esteem what God considers to be of value and, and worthwhile. And I want to look at just a couple of scriptures. Uh, well, I quoted about how it's God's good pleasure to give us what? The kingdom. There's a kingdom of God. We're part of that kingdom as His children. And Jesus said, if my kingdom of, was of this world, then my servants would fight and we would have it out, out right here. We'd establish my kingdom right now at His first coming in Jerusalem. But His kingdom at that time, His kingdom is not of the world. We're living in a church age where uh, we've been made to sit together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places in a spiritual sense even now. And so God's kingdom is coming. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? And we're part of that kingdom. We need to see that. We need to esteem and value that and know it by the Holy Ghost in us, that knowing in our hearts and by the word of God what belongs to us. I'm just going to quote this from Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The world would say, what are you talking about? Spiritual blessings. But God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. It says, in Christ. Those blessings are found in Christ. It could be the fruit of the Spirit. It could be wisdom. It could be all of those things. It could be the peace of God in our hearts. It could be the fact that our sins are forgiven. That we're children of the living God. That we have a purpose in a future that's way beyond this world. These are spiritual blessings. And He has blessed us with those in Christ. So it's important that we would understand and esteem what the world esteems. And there's a wonderful scripture in, in uh, 1 Peter 3, 4. I'm going to read it to you. I have it. If you're, but if you're taking notes, you can write it. Where, where the, uh, Peter's talking about the, the, the spiritual woman. And he says that her, her beauty. Well, how does the Lord define her beauty? He says, don't let it be the outward adorning of, of the certain hair done a certain way and jewelry on the, hanging from the ears. Not that those, I don't believe those things are sinful. But it says, don't let the beauty of that woman be that. A godly woman has a different beauty, and it's, it's this. It says, uh, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. You see how there's a difference between what God esteems and what the world esteems. Let it, don't let it be that outward beauty. Nothing wrong with outward beauty. You know, and there's nothing wrong. I don't believe it's a sin, you know, for ladies to wear their hair a certain way or to wear jewelry or makeup. I don't think the scripture is forbidding that. The scripture is saying, let your beauty be that inward man. And he says, in the sight of God, it's of great value. It's of great price. But this is how God, when, Lord, when I say the Lord wants us to be fruitful, when the Lord wants to prosper us, or bless us with spiritual blessings. It's things that the world may not understand. Certainly they wouldn't understand. Or certainly they wouldn't esteem it. As being of much value at all. <clears throat> but we need to come to the place y'all. I need to come to the place. Where I value what God values. And where I esteem what he esteems. And I seek after what he tells me. I ought to seek after. And not spend my time seeking after that. Which is, doesn't profit. That which is not going to last. That which is vanity and it's going to pass away. And believers, we, we can be guilty of that. We can be guilty of pursuing after those things. Again, it's not uh, at all sinful. 
to work hard and to enjoy the fruits of your labor. The Bible says that. But if that's what our heart is set upon, it says they that would be rich, right, fall into many snares. In other words, they want it so bad, they're longing after it. But let's esteem what God esteems. Because it says in those, before we were saved, Paul says, what fruit had you in those things whereof now you're ashamed? For into those things is death. What fruitfulness did we have in our lost life? It wasn't real fruitfulness at all. The end of that's death. It was nothing, uh, nothing at all. Now I want to use, uh, uh, for our example this morning, I have a, a Bible illustration. I want to get into it and really spend some time just reading through the scriptures and developing it. So y'all can all turn to Luke chapter 1. And while you're turning there, we said that that the, the life that's not fruitful, the life that would be barren, the opposite of that is pretty, is, is pretty obvious. It's really unfruitful, right? It's not productive. And that life is not going to be honoring to the Lord. As a Christian, I look at Chris and I say, you know, God wants your life to be fruitful and productive. And let's say his life wasn't, or my life wasn't. Doesn't mean he's not a Christian. But it means that life is not going to glorify God the way that it should, right? It's not going to, and it's not at all going to be satisfying to Chris or me or whoever lives that way. That's what we have to understand. The things that are glorifying to God that He wants from our lives, those are also the things that are going to satisfy me. Whereas if I just want to go after the things that satisfy me, kind of putting God on the side then it's not going to glorify God or satisfy the Lord. And in the end, it's not going to satisfy me either. But if I will, the fruitful life that he talks about is not barren or unfruitful, and it's going to be a blessing to me. I'm going to be blessed to live a fruitful life. And it's going to bring my Heavenly Father glory. It's going to be pleasing to Him. Live a life that's well-pleasing in His sight. And... Uh, the Bible says that have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, right? And we're to come out of that type of lifestyle. And the Bible talks about how the cares of this world can choke the word of God in the believer's life. And it would make the word unfruitful. So we don't want to be caught up in those cares. We want the fruitful life that God has for us. So if everybody's in Luke, I'm not there yet, chapter 1. This is the... Uh, the beginning of talk, it's, it's the introduction of Luke's gospel to Jesus, but he begins by starting with John the Baptist, and he begins by starting with John the Baptist's parents. Zacharias, who was a priest, and Elizabeth. We know the story, but I don't know, maybe it's a story we don't think about a lot. But in the context of being barren and unfruitful, I want to use a natural illustration of this. So if you would, just start reading with me. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to read a good part of it. Uh, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. It's important that we know that they weren't sinful, and they, they were righteous before God. He calls them that. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. 
And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw it, he was much troubled, saw him, he was much troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayers is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him, that's Jesus, he'll go before Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So I want to just really let this illustration sink in. They were obviously were older in their lives, Elizabeth and Zacharias. He was a priest. They were righteous before God. This was not a result of sin. We have things in our life that are a result of sin, but this wasn't. This was for the glory of God. He had a purpose in it. It says they didn't have a child, and she was barren. Okay? She was barren. That word barren and barrenness, a lot of times in the Bible, it's looked at or seen almost as a reproach. But it's not necessarily. We see it right here, and there's others that we're going to look at in the Bible. It wasn't a sin. It wasn't a reproach because of sin. It wasn't a punishment. Okay? We have things that are consequences of sin. But this was not. But it is looked about, upon as being a reproach. The word barren or barrenness, the literal definition means unemployed, idle, inactive, useless. And that's pretty bad. You know, you're just useless. No use for you at all in life. I mean, that would be pretty... Uh, pretty much a criticism there um, and it says for example lost people this quote from the Old Testament Paul quotes it in Romans 3 they're none good there's none that does good no not one they're all together become unprofitable just totally unprofitable that's any man outside of God it's not going to profit nothing's going to last but even in Christ we don't want to be barren useless okay idle un Unprofitable. I'm going to keep reading some from the story. Verse 24. So I'm skipping ahead. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. So God made a promise to the man while he was in the temple. Fear not, you know, you're, you're, the angel says, your prayer has been heard. So obviously they were praying for a child, right? Your prayer has been heard. God sends a special angel to him to make, bring the announcement. It says later, okay, in the days... And, and we know uh, John, I mean, I'll get it. Zacharias couldn't speak because he doubted. There's a little bit of doubt. He still got the promise, but he couldn't speak until the baby was born. So after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and, he, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. So blessing her with a child, again, this was not a result of sin. You might have other things in their life that were a result of sin, but this was not one. 
And God was going, blessing them and dealt kindly with her. She realized this is a very, very kind thing of my God to do. He's taken away my reproach. All right, now let's skip down to verse 36. And behold, that cousin, Elizabeth, she hath also conceived this son in her old age. This is the angel speaking to Mary now, saying, Your cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And it will skip all the way down to verse 57 and 58, and we'll stop. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. Okay, we're talking about not being barren or unfruitful, not being idle, not being useless. This is strictly in a natural sense here when we're looking at barrenness as being a woman uh, or a couple without a child. But God wants us to be productive. He wants our lives to produce something, as I said, to count for something. And we see that not only does he want that for our lives, he's the one that's able to do it. It doesn't matter how poorly we started. It doesn't matter what a mess we made of our lives before we knew Jesus. It doesn't matter what a mess we made of our lives since we knew Jesus. But if we will take, and I firmly believe this, the Bible, you know, I think it's in Jeremiah, we talked about the Lord's going to restore the years that the canker worm ate and the caterpillar and all that. He's going to restore those. I firmly believe, I found it to be true in my own life, and I believe it biblically, that if we will take what remains, in other words, if you were witness to somebody that was 85 years old, and they weren't going to live a whole lot longer, or 95 years old, or whatever, and they didn't know Jesus, and they gave their life to the Lord, I believe the Lord, however many days they had left, or literally if it was just days, or maybe a few years or whatever, how much time they had left, he could make something tremendous still out of their lives. I remember Dee's grandmother, Reggie's mom, Lessie. How old was she when she died? Okay, she was 97 when she died. All her life, she was a good woman. She worked hard. She was a single mom most of her life. She raised her kids. She raised nephews and nieces and grandchildren that lived with her, and she kept. She worked at the post office and all of her life and retired from the post office and was a hard worker and very independent. But she was lost. She didn't know the Lord. She didn't think she needed a Savior. She thought she was okay. And she got saved late in life, very late in life, at 97. As soon as she, uh, she got saved, before she, she found this out, she gave her life to the Lord, and then she, she found out she had cancer, right? Well, she, had, she went into congestive heart failure and had never been sick. Okay, congestive heart, heart failure. And, uh, but she got saved before that. So it wasn't like just even a sickness that brought her to salvation, although that would be fine. But anyway, she got saved late in life, went to congestive heart failure in the last... How long did she live? Two weeks. Okay, for basically from the time she got saved till she died. Two weeks, the Lord was kind and saved her. But in those two weeks, the, everybody would come see her, you know, kind of want to see her last time before she went to be with the Lord. She was telling them about Jesus. This was so unlike her. You know what I mean? It wasn't, she was a good woman, a kind woman, 
but not to talk about Jesus. And so in the last couple of weeks of our life, I believe that if you'll give and if I will give what remains, from give it all to Jesus, God can make it very fruitful and productive. I really believe that. You say, some people are discouraged. They say, well, I've wasted so much time. So much water under the bridge, so to speak, and so many opportunities passed, and so much I can't make up for lost time, but God can. We just heard it with, for with God, nothing's impossible with God. That's what the angel told Mary. And so He can make us to where we're not barren and unfruitful. He wants us to be productive, and He can lift that, uh, that reproach of a life that's been wasted. Today, while it's called today. In other words, we're listening to the Lord now, if you will hear His voice. We're studying our studying Hebrews, right, on Wednesday night. If you will hear His voice today. That's repeated three times in about ten verses in Hebrews chapter 3. Why is it so important? Because if you will hear His voice today, if we'll get serious about God today and say, yes, I've messed up. Even as a Christian, I've, you know, piddled away so much time. I've been serious about studying the Word. I've been serious about witnessing to anybody. In fact, I can't remember the last time I witnessed to anybody about Jesus, and I don't think I've ever won anybody to the Lord. And you might go, but today, if we'll hear His voice and obey Him and say, God, I repent of that. Even as a Christian, I repent of that. Take my life. Make it fruitful for you now. Would you use up what remains for your glory? And he will do that. He'll absolutely do it. And you won't feel unsatisfied. You won't feel that, oh, I've got all these regrets. So lift that reproach. And you'll be active living for God. And you'll come to heaven with the full reward and bring other people with you that, that you might have gotten to lead to Jesus. It's just a wonderful thing. Uh, and God, God dealt very kindly. To me, in this story with Elizabeth and, and Zacharias, it, it shows the power of God to, to do His miracle and to perform it, but also shows the kindness of God to do it. He did what He did, not just for them, it was kind for them, but He had a purpose in it, right? There was something special and supernatural. John the Baptist, their son, was, the Bible said, Jesus said of him, among those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. We might think of Isaiah, or Ezekiel, or Jeremiah, or one of these like that, but the Lord says there wasn't a greater prophet than John the Baptist. They had the privilege. And I bet if you asked them later, all those years where you were barren and you prayed desperately for a child, and now God had a different plan and He blessed you with a child maybe late in life and He was this man. He was going to be beheaded. Their child was going to be martyred. Would you trade that for anything? They'd say, absolutely not. I mean, it was awesome what God did. And I think so many things in life. We're asking and wanting things, but when we see it from looking back at it, after we've lived it, Lord, I wouldn't change any of that what you had planned. There was a reason for that. And there's a reason you did it like you did it. He was very kind to them. And I prospered them. He prospered them. And y'all, there's three others, and I'm not going to... Uh, take as much time on those, but I want to mention them. I want to mention there's three other women, and there might be more, but there's three that come to my mind. Can y'all think of other barren women that God blessed them with a child? All right, Sarah, right? Who else? 
Hannah, right? Samuel's mom, Hannah, and then Samson's mother, Manoah's wife, in a time where God, I mean, where Israel needed a, a, a judge. And I just want to look at some of these real quick. If you would look at, at Genesis 15. Now, God has already made his covenant with Abraham, so we're, we're skipping ahead just a little bit. Genesis 15, let's look at 1 through 5. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That's an important scripture there, y'all, and it's important for us as well. We need to realize that whether or not we have the things that we've asked, in other words, something in your life that you're longing for, and that you haven't gotten it yet. What if it's not the Lord's will, and what if you maybe never get it? But I guess the, the point of this is that God is our reward. I am thy shield, and I am thy exceeding great reward. It's me, okay? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He blesses us with other wonderful blessings that he knows are good for our lives. But he has to be our reward. And we need to see him as that. It's not a spouse. It's not a child or children or even a ministry or something like that. It has to be the Lord. And I need to be in such a place in my life where I get that. And that's a reality for me. It's not that everything is just the way I want it to be as a Christian. It's that I have Jesus, and he is my shield and exceeding great reward. Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? He's at this point 75 years old, right? His wife is 65 years old. She's a beautiful wife. They're happily married. This is not because of sin, but they didn't have a child. And he says, what are you going to give me? I go childless, and I have this Eleazar, who's like my main steward in my house, and he's the heir to all that I have. And, the, and Abraham said, Behold, you've given me no seed. And then the Lord says, the, the Lord came to him and says, This shall not be thine heir, verse 4, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. We look at that, we have the whole story. So it's easy to look back and say, well, yeah, that came to pass just like that. But he was living it, y'all. He was living it. And he was 75. And they had tried to have children and didn't have children. And <clears throat> yet God makes this promise to him. And, he, and we don't have time to read it all, but the Lord brought the son. Sarah's name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. And it, that Sarah means the mother of princes. I mean, the Lord changed her name and blessed her with Isaac, which means laughter, because it brought such joy in her old age. She was 90 when she had this son. He was 100. This is not a fairy tale. This is God doing what only God can do. It's an amazing thing. He didn't want them to be fruitful, unfruitful or barren. He, he took someone that was barren and, and blessed them. And out of that came so many descendants. Of course, the nation of Israel, but other nations. So many that you couldn't count them all. The numbers of descendants that came from Sarah and Abraham. 
it shows the power of God. It also shows the kindness in the, in the goodness of God. We could do the same thing talking about Hannah. And she has a son. The Bible says she was desperate. She was desperate because her husband, Elkanah, had two wives. Hannah was one. I forgot the other's name. But the other wife had children. And she would just torment Hannah all the time because Hannah had no children. Just rubbed it in her face. And she was desperate. She went before the Lord. And, and she prayed. And she's, she's just in des desperation of her spirit, it says. And the Lord heard her cry and blessed her with Samuel. He said, Lord, if you give me a man child, I'll give him back to you and he'll be yours. And it was Samuel, this wonderful prophet and priest of Israel. And uh, Samuel means ask of God. Ask of God. And, and again, it's just, she was barren. It was a reproach to her. It wasn't because of sin. It was just a condition of our life, but God turned it around. And then we don't even, we can't even remember the other wife's name. You understand what I'm saying? We know about Hannah and her son Samuel. And, she, and he anointed Saul and then he anointed David. You know what I mean? He was that, that man that God used so greatly. And same thing for, uh, for Manoah and his wife. She didn't have a child. And the angel comes, comes and says, you, uh, your, your wife's going to have a son. And comes to the woman as well, and and then they, they were given Samson. It just shows the uh, all of these had a special purpose and plan. Okay, John the Baptist, Samson, Samuel, and Isaac—they all fulfilled God's plan. So when God blesses us, y'all, it's not just—it's not just for us. It is for us, but He has a bigger purpose. In your salvation, for example has a bigger purpose than just getting you to heaven. If all it was was getting to heaven, that would be not enough. Amen? It would be wonderful. Then we would just get saved and he would just take us to heaven. We just all have little mini raptures all the time when everybody's getting saved. But he saves us here and he leaves us here for his glory, for his purpose. And he wants to get as much glory out of your life as he can on this earth. We're the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Let your light so shine that men may see your, see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Yes, He wants to bless us. It's His good pleasure to bless us and give us the kingdom. But He also wants something back out of my life. Uh, the parable of the talents, for example. Uh, we know that story. They were, the, the two faithful ones were commended because they invested what was given to them and used it for... His purposes, the master's purpose in that. And the one that was rebuked, he didn't steal. He didn't go wasted gambling like the prodigal son or something like that. He just did nothing with it. Idle, useless, unprofitable, barren, unfruitful. He was given something from his master, and yet it didn't produce anything back in return for the glory of God. I just have a couple of scriptures, y'all. That I, I want to read, and we'll be we'll be closing with this. Let me let me re read from Luke chapter sixteen, verse two. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures about stewardship. Titus one seven. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Uh, 
here's a great one from 1 Peter 4.10. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He wants that grace to produce something in my life that would be profitable for me, but profitable for the God of grace who bestowed this grace upon me. And one more, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. All I'm saying from this and all we're talking about today is that God's plan is for me not to be barren nor unfruitful. And I need to be a steward of what he has given me. I don't produce it on my own. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? If a man abides in me and my words abide in him, he'll ask what he will. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, but if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. Just thinking about your own life, guys, as we're coming to a close and thinking about my life. I know, for example, that I have wasted a lot of time and I know that I wasted a lot of my Christian life as well but I don't have to continue that for me you know what I'm saying I think when you get more and more like Jesus and more and more heavenly minded and spiritually minded he helps us that's what we're doing by gathering here together and worshiping the Lord if we just stayed home and slept uh, we're still a Christian but we're not going to be being built up and strengthened to, to to this call right here that we're talking about. Listen to this uh, this scripture from Isaiah 54, 1. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. He's saying what God can do. It ought to be rejoicing to our heart. These women, don't you think Elizabeth and, and Hannah, they did. They just rejoiced so much. And Sarah and these others, and he prospers us. Y'all, not only does he require it, I said it earlier, it's required that a steward be faithful, you see, we just read, but he enables us to do that. It's not like he's just saying, Bill, now go out and, and take care of business. You just go handle it, and you be fruitful and take care of everything. He's the one that is able to produce that in our lives as we abide in him, and his spirit dwells in us. And it ought to be the cry of our heart like it was for Hannah. The Bible says, and again, we didn't have time to read it, but she was in desperation of her soul. This wasn't just like she really wanted a child. She was desperate. <coughs> she was crying. And the priest, Eli, was watching her, and he thought she was drunk because of the way she was acting. She was so pouring out her heart to the Lord. And... I came across this psalm. It says, Save now, I beseech thee. O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now prosperity. Have you ever felt that way? And we're about to close. Have you ever felt like it's time, Lord? I'm, it's time. Would you send that blessing? Would you send that prosperity? And you can fill in what the blank is. But that's what they is praying. Nothing wrong. Save, Lord, I beseech thee. O Lord, save. Send now thy prosperity. Do it. You know, maybe he is... Tired of, I don't know what the, the circumstances were in that psalm. Maybe it's about 20 years he's running from Saul. However long he's hiding out from Saul, he's living in caves. He's been already anointed to be king of Israel. 
And he's like, Lord, do it now. You know what I mean? This is enough. Send now your prosperity. Bring it about. And the Lord did bring it about. He brought it about in his time. And he's going to do the same in our lives. So he's going to bring about. It is such a joy to, to be fruitful for the Lord. It's such a joy for us to have a life that's productive for the Lord. And I'm just going to go back to what we started with. If these things are in you, Paul Peter said, and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in our knowledge of the Lord. He wants us to be fruitful. It says, So an entrance shall be made, shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's already opened an entrance for every believer. But it sounds to me like in that passage that we started with in 1 Peter, this is just a little, I mean, 2 Peter, a little further down. So an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, we can make heaven or we can make heaven with a full reward. We can make heaven by the skin of our teeth and we'll go through the judgment seat of Christ and the Bible says if we did basically nothing and our works are burnt up, whatever we did do, you know, was burnt up. It says, we'll be saved, yet so is by fire. That's another study we can talk about sometime. There'll be joy in heaven and, and, and all of that. But we could enter in differently. We could enter in and have those crowns it talks about in Revelation that we cast down at Jesus' feet and saying, thou art worthy. We just did what you did through us, God. How can I take credit for winning some little kid that foxies to the Lord. You saved them, God. You birthed that old ministry. You did all of that. We're just privileged to be part of that. You see what I'm saying? Or to teach a Sunday school class. Or to raise my own children in the ways of God. You did it, Lord. It's just all you. But I want to get there, and I want to encourage you all to get there with the full reward. And even if we've wasted our time up until now, we don't have to continue to waste our time. The Lord can help us to be serious-minded, sober-minded. That's not a depressing or a joylessness. It's serious about God. It's like this. I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm getting serious about my walk with God. I want to know His will. I want my heart to be with His heart. I want to love what He loves and I want to hate what He hates. And I'm not really there right now partly there. You know what I'm saying? Lord, help me. Bring me there. <coughs> Y'all turn with me. We're closing with this scripture. Maybe you can come on up. In Psalm 113. 113. Just talking about the Lord making us fruitful. Psalm 113, verse 7. And we'll read three verses. 113 verse 7. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. And in all three of those scriptures, they started with he. You know what I mean? He, he raises up the poor. He does that. He makes the barren to be with child. And y'all, it's not, Christians are not to live in the past. We just have to go on. Whether it's the, the birth of this church and going on with the Lord, 
certainly we are hard as, as much as it ever was with our friends and family and loved ones, you know, that, that are not part of this church. But at the same time, God has a, call, a calling. This is a calling. He had this plan. I don't get it. I don't understand it all. And I want to go forward. And I want to move forward. And I want the rest of my life, whether it's five days or 50 years, I want it to be more productive for the Lord. And I want to get more intimate with Jesus. And I want my prayer life to be deeper. And I want my worship of the Lord to be deeper. And I want my understanding of His Word and the peace that I experience in my heart and the joy that's in my heart. I want it all to be more than it was before. And that's absolutely what God wants. He wants that. You don't have to twist His arm, but we can call upon Him. And understand that. He wants us to do that. Y'all pray. We're going to make our altars. We want to have an altar in this church. Even if the altar is at your chair. But don't just rush out. We'll have time to fellowship afterwards. Let's, let's spend this time with the Lord. You know what the prayer of your heart is. And Father, we just give this time to you. And God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's not your will for your people to be barren or unfruitful. It's not profitable for us, Lord, or satisfying to us. But God, your will is that we be satisfied, that we be filled. Like these barren women and their husbands, they received a child, maybe late in life, maybe later than what they wanted, but it was, it was what you wanted. And you satisfied the longings of their heart. You did it, God. And you can do it for us. And I don't know the longing of every person here, God. And they may not know the longings that are in my heart. But God, you said if we'll delight ourselves in you, you'll give us the desires of our heart. That you satisfy the longing soul and you fill the hungry soul with goodness. We want to have a life that's fruitful, God. In our Christianity. Fruitful in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Fruitful, God, in our service to you, God. That you would fill us up. We wouldn't go through life empty. We wouldn't go through life uh, idle or useless, God, for your kingdom. Help us, Lord. Would this be a turning point? Would you allow and cause this day in this house, on our knees before you, God, to be a turning point in our lives for every single person in here? A good, a good turning point where we go forward. And we move forward and we gain new ground and we gain it quickly, God. The time may be very short before you rapture us and call us home. So, Lord, would you give us speed and, and move us quickly along to where you desire us to be. Forgive me for the time I've wasted. Forgive me for the years that I've wasted. Forgive me for the opportunities that I have missed and allowed to pass by. And would you give me new ones, God? For Jesus' sake, Lord, would you fill us with your spirit? He said, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saying the Lord of hosts, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Just take your time before the Lord. Call upon him. Don't be ashamed. Lift up your voice to the Lord. Call upon him while he's near. God, if you're through praying for yourself, go pray over someone else. Let this be our altar right here.
and I think it would be better for all of us if we all have a, maybe not every time, every person, okay, but maybe the Lord, as you were just asking, He would give you a scripture to read tonight, um, or a prayer to pray, maybe you have a real burden for our country, or you have a burden for souls, or missions, and Two people can pray about missions on the same night. It's okay. Just maybe come with something to where it's not as quiet, especially with us all uh, around each other in close quarters. Uh, just lift up your voice, and I believe God's going to start moving more and more in our prayer meetings. But I would love it. You don't have to ask, and you don't have to come stand up here. Just right where you are, you can just open your Bible. Maybe God has a scripture you just think would be a blessing for the body. And just read, just lift up your voice and begin to pray. So, and guys, if we could get a little help, give us a few minutes to clear this out. Whoever could help us lift that piece of furniture out, it's going to give us a little more room in here. Close enough to be able to get them all. But there's a piece of property 
you know where my mom's house is on Jefferson? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, if, if you pass her house up, I think the second left is just a couple hundred yards past it. I forgot the name of that. Charleston. Charleston. Yeah. Okay, you take a left off on Jefferson. You go back there and maybe a quarter of a mile and take a right on the dead end square. At the property. It dead ends at the property. It's eight acres. It's all fenced in with a barn. And we, Clarissa took us in there and we looked at it. And the barn, we actually, I know it sounds crazy, we actually could start having service. Oh, it's like a little work. It's like a concrete Nice barn. Yeah, center block. And uh, got two windows on it. And it's clean. It's not like flooding on nasty wooden barn. We could make it livable while we take a note on the side and start. This is seven forty six eight. Where is it? Yeah. We went and looked at it first of all. Yeah, it was nice. It kind of gets it's pretty nice. Out. We spent all day Friday. The property is beautiful. It's in the middle of a subdivision, so yeah. you know you don't have main road frontage, right. but ever did yeah. in either. We haven't driven out Baton Rouge is just connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. So it would be, it takes us Detroit to 13 minutes from our house. Okay, so, yeah, we're not traffic. And good thing, Sundays we're not traffic. No, that's right. Means the evening might be more tired and And it's probably a lot closer to most of the people. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people yeah. live in Prairieville area. And Chris, and, but I wouldn't want to be so far like y'all felt we couldn't come back. Yeah, uh, I had to come back. Oh, you did? Oh, you know, we know some realtors who can help you. I was referring to your mother. barn on it? It has a barn on it? It has a barn on it? And it's nice. We can actually, it took us in it. <laughs> we can actually do a little work on it. Yeah. We'll start having services in that barn while we build the building, start paying on it. Yeah. And I think I think we could. We'll talk about it tonight mm -hmm. more. Uh, uh, honestly, just from what I've seen, how many weeks have been? Six, five, uh, this was our fifth full fifth Sunday. Sunday. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to gauge from that, mm -hmm. but I think we're going to be able to. Uh, and we can make them an offer. It's yeah. been on the market for about three months. Oh, okay. So did, it, did it uh, get water or did it no, flood? No, no. Wow. no, we don't know about the land itself, but that right. barn did not flood. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen told me that that's... It's gated already, isn't it? It is gated. It's fenced all the way around. That's nice. I mean, nice? a lot of the fencing, yeah. the fencing you know, yeah. it's yeah. pasture type fencing, but yeah, yeah. but the nice gate, front. that yeah. nice front, yeah. 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 That nice
spot? It's uh, the barn is fifteen hundred square feet. Wow. So fourteen seventy two something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's got plumbing. It's I mean not plumbing. It's got water run to it. It's got electricity. Yeah. And there's about sewage. But but if you got those wall hung commodes, you can bring the sewage out the wall and down in the ground and then get it to the main. Yeah, I'm just instead of digging up the yeah. How far out you gotta go? Right. Oh, right, right. With the water there, there has to be some way it's going to some sewer. Because you, that water has to get out. People in the country sometimes, if it's just something to wash horses, it could be a modad. That's true. Could be a septic tank. Yeah, right. Nowadays they do modads instead of septic tanks, but yeah, that's the the now if it's depending on how old it is. I mean, it could be a septic tank, but if it's a septic tank, then you're gonna have to replace it. Yeah. But um, so, and if that's the case, it might be relatively inexpensive to put in potties, you know. But in this barn, it's in Peru, it's in the middle of a subdivision, but it's about um, seven point seven acres or something like that. Yeah, and um, and it has about a fifteen hundred fifteen hundred square foot cinder block, so it's a, it can be easily converted to. Come in, 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 come
you probably know. Where's this place? It's on the church. It's off Charleston. In the right past Mary's house, two streets down. To the left. You go back there, and you, you take it right on Blue Ridge. It's right at the end of Blue Ridge. It's a church or No, it's a piece of property in a barn. Before you the barn's like the house. It's made of concrete barn, yeah. cinder barn. Mm-hmm. And it's got, it's got a slab. And it's pretty nice. But it's in the neighborhood? It's in the neighborhood. So would we be yeah. zoned to make it a it's church? Rural. It's rural. It's zoned rural already. So I don't think we'd ever find it. I was talking to the agent about that. Yeah. If, if you're going to make a church out of it, it doesn't have to be zoned. I think you can put anything on rural property. It's just in the cornerstone church of the parishes. There you go. <laughs> no matter where we go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That parish will travel. Mm. I like that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, there's not another entrance we didn't find, but there is one that cuts out the 42. Did you see that? Is that the one where if we go there and make left down to that subdivision? Yeah, when we got hit the dead and we turned around yeah. and started heading back yeah. out. Coming back out right. to the right, there's a street that goes south and north. Is that Ronald yeah. Road? Yeah, yeah that's just growing like crazy out Oh, it's crazy. It's right there. It'd be a little further for everybody to drive, but not, nothing crazy. Right. We've got some nice subdivisions all the way around, too. It's not a, you know, it's, 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 it's not a ghetto. Yeah. You know. And it's developed, so I don't think anything. We don't have to worry about it. Not that I oppose the ghetto. I want to make sure everybody realizes. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Oh, you found one in the ghetto too? <laughs> it's got kind of like a dangerous thing. We're going back to Glory House? <laughs> we were there a long time. And I was never scared there. So I don't even know why I said that about the ghetto. That's where we ministered for 27 years. And we, yeah, she did. Yeah, that's right. I was scared. scared. I, I got after the first uh, two gunshot across the street. And, and then uh, I thought, oh, it's pretty loud lightning out there. I wonder what that is. In rapid succession. Uh, <laughs> An Uzi. What are you looking for, Hal? Thank God for the cinder block wall. Then I got used to it. Then I got used to it. 42 goes right here. I have to admit, I was afraid when we went to Peru. No Honduras, and they were shooting down my window. She calls me. She says, I'm on the floor. I was on the floor. She calls and she says, There's gunfire out my window. Pray. I said, What are you going to do? I'll pray, but what am I going to do for you? And so that has to go with the still kind of sewage. So whether it's septic, modad, or city, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
So that part, maybe underneath it, but there's some kind of hay or something. But they have some kind of cushion for the horses, but it's concrete. Oh, that's just the nursery. There's a gate we can lock them in. You saw that? So this is a very, this is your actual very So there's electricity there. And water. And water. Right. But sewage. Don't know about well, no you, well, you could do a MODAD. Right? You'd have to do a MODAD problem. Well, here's the thing. There has to be some kind of It's like a treatment thing for individuals. If you have to get that water to do it, so there has to be some kind of sewage. We'll look at it. You can't just drop that water in. We just dug a ditch and ran that. No, that ain't this ain't Livingston. That's right. Uh, yeah. As long as they put gravel. You can like you can have water running back there. No, I left on, no, not Henry. I left on Charleston. Go all the way down to Blue Ridge and make a line. Get in right in here. Oh, that's not so wide. No, it's not wide. It's actually a straight shot. Yeah. Go check it out. It's not a bad neighborhood. It's a neighborhood that's so. It has houses and mobile homes, but the mobile homes that are in there all look well kept and they're all property that people own. 
one that we got here. Well, exactly. It's better than that. What? Is that the one? What are you talking about? It's better than what? Oh, way better. Oh, yeah, like three steps up. All right. Whatever. Absolutely. Did the mower come with the bone? Well, we could put that in the contract. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I need a couple more. Right. I know that's right. You know what we could do? Yeah. 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 Did he say fish for me? Go fishing with me? Well, he likes fish. Let's not get into all the Jesus loved fish. So I think we You know, you remember he said, You know, you can twist for it. You can twist for it. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, not with me. No, that's a Mexican. Yeah. That's what I can do. Yeah. Dude, I don't know, man. I'm actually thinking about eventually moving. So I end up getting a new part of the story. Another thing that we've been talking about is that Thank you. 
this into your sermon. You said, yeah, she was a queen. The Bible says. She did black. black. Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Ye
Rachel is another barren one. Forgot about Rachel. I forgot. We just thought about Rachel. Oh yeah, I thought about Rachel. Rachel. She had a Joseph, huh? Yeah. Yep. After she had a mom, then she had Joseph. Yep. Yeah. And we were we were back there, Amber and I was like, wait, I think Rachel is another one. Yeah, Rachel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And out of all those, the Lord brought somebody really special like Joseph. Always, always. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think I might. Did you turn this off? Is there a way to erase that past?